The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and this week I am joined by two awesome co-hosts plus an exciting guest. Nate Heininger. Shane Kelly. And this week we are joined by, uh, let me just say, executive producer Robert Hawks, uh, one of our patrons. (laughs) Oh, Oh, hi. (laughs) Listen, you give us even one dollar on Patreon and you are an executive producer. But thank you for joining us, Robert. No problem. Uh, I'm excited to have you because we needed some additional help covering this game. Uh, The game we're covering this week is a little bit outside of our uh, show's collective, I don't know, comfort zone. Uh, We are talking about Hades, which is on pretty much everybody's game of the year list this year. It seems like, you know, everyone that I've seen that's, you know, already out just everywhere on those lists uh, but it's also really long <laughs> so it's not <laughs> quite the sort of thing that we would normally cover on the show we have a kind of a long-standing exception for roguelikes because of nate basically <laughs> thank uh, you but uh, and this is a roguelike but uh, it's definitely a long game one that i was pretty convinced that we were not really going to cover on the show but I don't know. Something about it wore me down. I think the big part of it is just our history with Supergiant. This is Supergiant's fourth game, and we are pretty much all Supergiant superfans. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we're we're doing this game. I've really been enjoying it. Uh, I would agree. This barely even fits into our roguelike exception as far as like what we've covered in the past for this show. But, you know... We've all been enjoying it. There is some qualities to it that I think very much respect your time. And uh, it has that short play session capability. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, we can wink it into our show because uh, we set our own rules. All right. Yeah. And I'm I'm really excited to talk about it. And before we get too far in, I want to set a couple of <laughs> expectations here. I am... I am mostly here to listen because while I have played the game, I haven't played it nearly as much as either of my co-hosts, and I definitely haven't played it as much as Robert, which is why we've brought him on the show today. Robert, um, you've been playing this game a lot, and uh, I've seen some of your little videos, some of your videos that you've posted to Twitter and things like that. You're playing it at a pretty high level. Um, How how long have you spent with the game? Tell me a little bit about what you've done with it so far. I've probably spent about 60 hours with it um it's a roguelike game so you you do it in runs and i've i've probably sunk about 150 runs into it um and i am still not done with the amount of content that this game has so definitely not short no it's not yeah i think your 150 runs have been Maybe more successful than our runs, even just besides the qual the quantity, because I, uh, you know, I roguelikes are definitely my genre. However, I don't think that I am particularly good at this game, and I'm sitting at around sixty runs, and just got my first victory. And you have been posting like eleven minute victories uh, on your on your like hundred and fiftieth run or whatever, it and is that just absurd. Looking at that video, I could not tell what was me. going on. Yeah, yeah. When my wife when my wife is sitting on the couch and I'm playing the game, she's just like, I can't read this screen at all. 
Um, and, you know, I've, I've done like 150 runs. I've only cleared it like 30 or 40 times. So You've only cleared it 30 or 40 times. Okay, got it. <laughs> I, you're off the show. You fraud. Yeah, well, that okay. is 30 or 40 times more than uh, any of us have. So, um. <laughs> Well, uh, my, my friends and I... Um, I have I have two friends, Sid and Clayton, and we've been like um competitively playing the game to try to get like like better times than each other. And it's kind of blinded me to what a uh, normal person plays the game like. <laughs> well, it definitely helps to have that that sort of challenge group keeping yourself motivated. Um yeah, I I don't. I don't know, Shane, how far you've made it, but I actually today I was like, I need to get a successful run before we record. My roguelike reputation is at the at stake here, so it, I got my first victory. It was forty five minutes. So the so the thought a little of off you from eleven, through, but you're getting there. little off from eleven. Yeah, but you know nice. what? I felt I felt good about it. it. It was it was satisfying. Yeah, I had a um, I've had a pretty good run with the game. I, I think I've done about fifty probably less than 60 runs. I was having brushes with the game's final boss. Um, and, uh, then, and this is just kind of a, kind of a weird thing. I, I had recently a bike accident where I just absolutely, this is a little embarrassing, but I was kind of hot dogging. I was, uh, I was riding with my, (laughs) uh, with, with my hands off the handlebars, eating a hot dog, you know, I was, uh, I was, you know, biking around the neighborhood. Uh, it was a cold day. Uh, a Amazon truck was right in front of me, uh, and I was turning in front of him, and I hit a pothole and slid off the bike seat and just did a complete, like, flip and uh, landed on my uh, palms of my hands. And that's been about two weeks since that, and I still can barely play video games. So... Yeah, I, I'm hoping that by the time I am done uh, recuperating, I will have regained some of the uh, some of the mobility that it takes for me to play this game. But uh, we will see. Yeah. <laughs> the it was pretty embarrassing. The Amazon guy pulled over and was like, "Hey, are you okay?" Aww. <laughs> I, like, I no. having just made this completely unforced, <laughs> just very embarrassing like death dive. Uh, also very clearly not okay. Just said, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) Do you mean physically fine or emotionally fine? I I need a few minutes to decide both. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I I wasn't going to sort that out in front of this random guy in the Amazon box truck. So, uh, yeah, I just limped home. If you saw what happened, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you're uh, feeling okay. And I, I can imagine a game like this, um, that especially at the level Robert's playing, like it is fast, very, very mm-hmm. fast. It's pretty uh, demanding. And that, is, and that was the thing that, and we're going to talk about mechanics and we're also going to do a spoiler break later where we're going to get much deeper on the story and like mechanics and, and best mm-hmm. tips and tricks and whatnot. But that was a big learning curve for me too, is uh, going from like trying to play this game, like kind of slow and methodical to like, no, it's actually way more effective to be a maniac uh, and just go as fast as you can and avoid everything. Um, so I can imagine with a hurt hand, it would be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Before we get too far into talking mechanics, because I am really eager to hear specifically from you guys, I need tips. So I'm excited for that. But um, before we get too far into that, I just wanted to briefly talk a little bit about the history of this game, because I feel like 
like first of all i've i've loved i loved everything i've played from super giant and each game a little better than the last like i i pretty i, I liked uh, bastion pretty well um i really liked transistor if i recall correctly transistor was our game of the year for the year that it came out and then pyre wasn't it also our game of the year for the game it came for the year it came out i think it was yes i believe so yeah and um, that was a good year for loved games loved pyre like I thought Pyre was, was a really, really yeah. great game. And I was very excited. And what's been sort of interesting about it was at the time, I didn't think I was going to like Pyre before I got into it. I, yeah, I, I wasn't into the sort of sports ball aspect of it. I wasn't too sure about its sort of visual novel-esque storytelling. Um, and I ended up absolutely loving it. And then the same thing has happened with this. This game came out in early access like two years ago. Yeah, I think it only had what tartarus in it when it first came out yeah i think so i i obviously haven't been following it since early access but when i heard they were doing an early access game pretty much everything about this game when they initially announced it had me thinking like oh no they've finally figured out how to game make a game that i won't like because it's like it's a it's a roguelike uh which is you know a a genre that is pretty hit or miss for me um it is in early access which i usually hate and pretty much ignore like i am not interested in sort of follow i, I want to play a game once when it's done and i know i'm getting the like full experience i don't usually follow along on early access journeys um and then there was a lot about it that seemed like it was a big departure for them i kind of thought that this was super giant like after pyre wasn't a huge success uh, i mean i think it did okay but i from what i understand it didn't sell super well i thought this was them trying to like go mainstream and do like you know roguelikes are hot right now right and like i thought this well, effectively was, it has worked out that way yeah weirdly enough like it's this it's is their biggest mainstream, big mainstream success hit with but it but it is a very super giant game it feels very much of their of their thing and it's so much more my shit than i was expecting like holy crap this game <laughs> is way more my shit than i thought it was going to be I think it initially came out like in early access on the Epic Games Store. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure they got some infusion of cash from that. I mean, good for them. While we're talking about the kind of progression of games from Supergiant, um, the the thing that I that I see having progressed absolutely the most on this, and having played so many of their games, is uh, the dialogue mm-hmm. because we we've played a lot of like roguelike games. And this is, while it is an excellent roguelite style um, game, uh, like the thing that really stands out for it in that genre is is the way that it's pushing kind of narrative and dialogue forward in that space. Um, but it's also just very like a linear progression to this from the rest of the games from Supergiant. Um, like if, if I, I remember the... V- when it came to Bastion, like their very first big game, um, the thing that I remember being most impressed with for that game was also its dialogue. It had this fully voiced narrator who was watching you as you uh, like were moving through the game, uh, would react to things you did. Um, it had dialogue that would kind of expand or compress based on like how fast you were moving through the game. Like certain mm-hmm. pieces of dialogue would would like automatically uh, be included or cut depending on how much time it needed to fill. Um, there were a lot of little tricks like that, but it was all that single narrator. Yeah, even at that time, like having a game that had a narrator who was like very clearly responding to the actual actions that you were doing, and like you know if you died would 
would comment on that and things like that. That was pretty unique at the time, and it was really well done. Um, I, I think, like, in Pyre, they did something I would say very, very similar. It was a little bit more reactive. The game itself was a lot more complex. That game, all of the characters, all of the characters were voiced, but they all spoke sort of a constructed or fake language. Yeah, I, I meant to say about that about Transistor. So, uh, Transistor was a lot like Bastion in terms of its, like, narrative and the writing. Um, I, I thought the writing was a lot more interesting in Transistor, but I think it was fundamentally they were kind of doing the same thing yeah. because they had this single narrative voice in the form of the like her sword boyfriend. Yeah, but they pushed um, the, they pushed the uh, mechanics for way forward with Transistor. They had yeah. you know mm-hmm. much yeah. more mechanically dense. I feel like in Transistor there was a lot less like responsive uh dialogue like a, a lot less responsive narration in mm. in regard to like what you were doing um like rocks the narrator of, of bastion and just any you could hit a guy and he'd be like you know hitting that guy he didn't like that <laughs> much did he <laughs> oh, yeah. but i i feel like your boyfriend who is also your weapon in transistor wasn't it didn't really do that. No, it was a little less, but it was also the, the, the sort of battlefields were more complex. And also there was the aspect where you could sort of switch between real time and sort of turn. Yeah. And I think all of that kind mechanically of mechanically transistor threw was crazy. the narration off or, you know, made it at least not possible to do the same kind of thing they did in Bastion. But they, they, they really pushed their mechanics forward. I, and I think it really, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it peaked with, with uh, Pyre because obviously this game is amazing, but like Pyre really felt like, uh, their mechanics were well they were doing a totally new thing but it felt like a really finely mm-hmm. honed thing like they had figured out a new um new system there with with the mechanics for pyre that were like incredibly finely tuned and it's its storytelling was just like way opened up versus the two previous games like the the fact that yeah. they had all these characters um, and it was able to tell you a story that responded to your actions in terms of like wins and losses and characters that you had in your party versus didn't. And it could kind of spin you this story reactively as as that went on. And you can really see a through line between that specifically and the way they're doing their storytelling in this game, which is incredible. I mean, we'll talk more about the story uh, a yeah. little later once we get past mechanics. But like this game, probably the, the biggest triumph I see is being able to tell a story through a roguelike where there's this huge possibility space for like what you're doing. And yet they're managing mm-hmm. to like tell tell you a consistently interesting story or at least have good character interactions throughout and never repeat itself, never have like just like a canned thing that you see twice or anything like that. So so Pyre it definitely did kind of move in this direction of having highly, highly conditional dialogue because it had that structure of having a story. And especially if you think about the ending of Pyre, where, um, you know, that thing had to work whether you had, like, any number of the different characters on your team when you completed the game. Um, you could have there were many thousands of permutations there. And, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of dialogue in that game. And it was not quite so fully voiced uh, as this. Um, I think they had their own little language and stuff. But th- there were a lot of uh, there was there was an awful lot of dialogue. The 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 thing about this game and the way it tells its story is there there must be just an absolutely gargantuan condition table uh, for it surfacing the dialogue for you there 
I, I tried to read as much as I could about it and find out what I could. Um, but there are, there are, there's some of that same conditionality as Pyre, like the, the story of, um, I'm sorry, what's the name of the bard character, uh, and his girlfriend, uh, Eurydice. Eurydice, yeah, is, oh, Eurydice and Orpheus? Orpheus. Yeah. I was trying to, trying to dredge Orpheus out of my memory there. Um, so Eurydice and Orpheus, w- without getting into spoilers, uh, are totally optional. You you don't have to talk to them or advance their storytelling at all, um, and and yet you know they they are also able to like respond to things that are going on in other parts of the story. You know you have uh, you have characters like Hypnos who is like very directly there to respond to exactly what's been happening in the story. Um, but then you get into these like really weird conditional setups where like it's going to present you every time you, you interact with, uh, like some of the early bosses or, uh, Megara is the kind of the most vocal boss. I think probably Megara's character has the probably more conditions involved in the sort of things she will say to you, uh, than many games have in their entire like structure. Yeah, I just looked this up so that we'd have uh, have this information in the podcast in case folks are curious. This game has 21,000 voice lines recorded. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, over 300,000 words in the script. And how do you how do you create a game where like there's going to be someone like me who's going to play this game literally hundreds of times before they win and 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 complete make a successful run? Uh, versus someone who's going to get the same story, but told to them over the course of maybe 10 runs because they're an elite Uber gamer, right? Uh, and, and then you have, so you have all of these things that have to be surfaced and, and, and said at the right time to make the story make sense uh, and have to conditionally work based on the things that other characters have said or other things that you've done. But then you also have like some weird example. Here's a weird example. At one point, uh, Megara will say to you at one point, like, you know, you're getting stronger as you start using the mirror to build your power up, right? Um, and she'll have conversations where she notices and reacts to that. But then if you turn off the stuff on the mirror, like if you reset the mirror with the key uh, and don't spend a lot, she'll comment on that too. She'll say like, oh, you seem like you're more back to your old self. Uh, have you stopped using the mirror? So Yeah, and things like... Um in the game, you can get little keepsakes uh, from different characters if you give them like an item, and depending on which keepsake you're holding, uh, each like boss or person you run into that has like dialogue, um, they can say something about the like thirty different keepsakes that you can hold at any yeah. one given time. Or other uh, boons. So they're just like, oh, you're 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 holding Poseidon's thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice, what? slippery thing. Yeah, the the way the game is able to uh, divvy out story, regardless of what your exact situation is, is is remarkable. And and I I do agree is really probably the biggest triumph of this game. Um, but before we get too far into the actual like specifics of the story. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the mechanics and like how you yeah. actually play the game. So things like the mirror that uh, Shane was talking about, like make a little bit more sense. Um, Nate, so you're, the, uh, you're to... the um, you're the resident uh, expert on 
roguelikes, why don't you set it up for us? Great transition, Reagan A+. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am the resident expert at playing them, and so, somewhere in the middle at at expressing va- game vocabulary. So, uh, so in the game, you play as Zagreus, the son of Hades, and your goal is to escape Hades, and that is presented to you as a uh, would you call it is that isometric like a, a, More a or less, third yeah. person. Yeah, third person isometric dungeon crawler, essentially, where you are going to utilize a set of basic skills. And as you progress deeper and deeper and deeper into the dungeon, you are unlocking new skills, new abilities uh, granted to you by gods uh, that make you more powerful and more specialized Uh, in in a lot similar to, uh, you know, other rogue roguelikes, the order at which these uh, they call them boons. These power-ups appear are completely mm-hmm. random and you have some choice as to what you actually select when they're presented to you. Uh, and when you die, you start back at the beginning of the game. Uh, there is some element that allows you to power up your character for every single run, but the individual runs completely clean slate. You're starting at the very beginning, trying to fight your way through the hell spawn of Hades and up and out. And it rules. <laughs> yeah. And so th- it, has a, <laughs> it has an incredibly tight gameplay loop, which is really, really satisfying. Um, it takes almost no time to start a new run. You get to select a variety of different weapons from, you know, standard like this is my sword and this is my shield to some more elaborate and interesting weapons that we will save for after the spoiler break. Mm. Uh, they each have their own sort of power-ups that you can get throughout the runs, as well as a, a skill tree that you can unlock uh, after your runs. There's a variety of different currencies in this game that you collect that allow you to do things like make your weapon stronger, make your eventual boons stronger, make Zagreus have better health or deal more damage. Um, you get the different keepsakes that Shane mentioned that you can upgrade and level up. There's a ton of small systems that add up to basically every run you are making Zagreus like a percent stronger, you know, one way or another, you get to choose kind of what, what direction you're making them stronger. But at the end of the day, you're getting slightly stronger, slightly stronger, slightly stronger. And unless you're someone like Robert, who can just like beat the game on your first try or whatever you did. Uh, for, 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 it for took mo- me like 30 tries okay. to get my for first mo- win. For most of us, uh, us uh, normies out there, it, it's like you're, you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper, but you're pretty reliant on those. It's a combination of relying on just Zagreus and your tools getting stronger, as well as your own skill, uh, which is kind of a hallmark of a roguelike or games like this, where you're going to just need to get better at fighting the variety of, of uh, monsters that you fight getting deeper and deeper and deeper until hopefully you're able to make it out to the other side. Uh, it, each run takes like between, you know, 30 seconds and <laughs> uh, like, you know, 40 minutes or so 45 minutes. If you go all the way to the end, probably your, your mileage may vary on that. Uh, once once you die, you kick right back to the beginning and 
as Shane said, you can choose to like interact with a bunch of characters and, and really progress different things, or you can hop right back in and start another run like 15 seconds after your last run ended. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, I think it's worth uh, mentioning. I, I think Hades is more of like a rogue light mm-hmm. yes. um, because there's like four types of collectibles that you can get um, throughout the underworld in your normal runs that are like, permanent things that you hold on to after you die and if you die you get transported back to like this hub world where there's like 10 npcs that you can interact with and and each time you die um they each get new dialogue Mm -hmm. um and they like either respond to things that you did on your last run or they just have new storylines that are developing constantly and like you can they have relationships that these. progress based on gifts you give them. I, I thought yeah, that was, I was pretty. Yeah, I was going to mention that this is so persona to me. The the like the way that you are like constantly like you have a little free time, and now you're free, if you have to decide with your free time. Okay, am I going to go give uh give uh, nectar of the gods to uh my dad, or am I going to go give it to the cute floating head? Like you, yeah. Y- you have this opportunity to like kind of make choices about like which which relationships you are kind of tending and see more story based on which of these characters you're spending more time interacting with. That's funny. I thought of it as like Harvest Moon, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go and give this thing that I collected to this person to make them like me more, just like you would do in Harvest Moon. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, Robert, I agree completely that like, and I kind of said it at the beginning, this is a rogue light. And I, it's like on the lightest version of Rogue. I mean, there is so much that you are carrying over with you and you are becoming like that when you end the game, the Zagreus that you're playing is so much stronger and such like so much more capable than uh, the and the things that are available to you are so much stronger than when you start the game that uh, it it really doesn't feel like most roguelikes or roguelikes roguelikes yeah i wanted to talk about like what are the things that set this apart because like roguelikes and roguelites generally are are games that are super hit or miss for me and this one i immediately felt like it was hitting for me and there's definitely a few things that this is doing that i think make it really successful as one of those um i you know maybe you guys have other thoughts about it for me a big part of it is just that it's very generous with upgrades uh, it, yeah. it, uh, you're getting a, a very steady stream of upgrades as you play through. So for me, what can really be frustrating in a roguelike is that feeling of like, I've got like no health left. This run is a disaster and there's no hope. And I know that, you know, and, and the, uh, and the upgrades or health or whatever else you're hoping to, to get drop so infrequently that it feels unfair or that it feels like you're, you know, you're starving in the desert or whatever. Whereas this is like pretty much so every single room gives you something when you complete it. And yeah. and very frequently they are upgrades that are very meaningful and can help transform your playstyle. I feel like a thing that makes this a really successful roguelike is the fact that um they give you so much stuff and and so much content back at the hub world that like changes and increases every time you die. That like you don't even mind if yeah. you die. If you're if you're yeah. having a, a great run and then like you you die like 
10 minutes in or so you're like all right cool i get to go see what the what deuce is doing now i I get to go you know put keys in i heard whenever they like the sort of the the pitch the the conversation that started the development of this game was was essentially super giant games like asking themselves how do we make a roguelike where it's fun when you die Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. know that they completely accomplished that here uh, because like most of these games you get, if you're like 30 minutes in and you die on like the last <laughs> boss, that can still be a little disappointing, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, that like, like the power curve of this game really does make it where like, once you get to, so there's, there's four main sections. Once you've bested the, the boss of that section, you're probably going to be capable of doing it almost every time you go you play going forward mm. and then you get to the point because of the of your own skills but also because your character is just getting stronger every single time that those bosses eventually become like trivial like if you are playing if you've been playing for a while and Zagreus is totally buffed you know Meg as Shane mentioned is is one of the first bosses uh potentially and like real killer at the start but by time you are making it near the end game constantly like it's really not hard to get past meg i don't want to say it's impossible to die to Mm -hmm. her but like you have so much more health your attacks do so much more damage that what was like a five minute fight the first time you played her you can beat her in like 10 seconds if you're really good uh when you see her in, in the future. And I think most roguelikes like don't power you up to that degree. There's still that element that like I might die in any room. Uh, whereas Hades, like you're just going to keep getting stronger and making it deeper and deeper and deeper until you mm-hmm. are pretty consistently making it that far. If, if I can kind of comment on, on what I think makes this unique for roguelites that, that I have played, it's not just the amount of, of upgrades and power-ups that they're dropping on you, which as you guys were saying, I think is pretty high for this sort of genre. Um, it is, so one of the things that makes something a roguelite or a big part of the DNA of rogue-type games is randomness. And there is a, a great degree of randomness to this game, but they give you many, many ways to control that randomness. So, um, you never feel like you're in a run that is just a dead end because, you know, some or you rarely feel that, that you know, some run is going to be doomed because of some some bad thing or you uh, that's out of your control. And to start, I mean, that is that many of the rooms or most of the rooms will have more than one exit um, and you're able to see what the reward would be generally, whether it be a boon or one of the currencies um, and order and choose which door you want, right? So that's that's one thing. But giving you lots of choice, and that goes to, to every level. When you do get a boon, you get a choice of three different versions of that boon. So you've already chosen, you know, door number two that's going to give you a, a boon from a particular god. You know, maybe you really like playing with the damage of over time that Dionysus gives you. Uh, but when you get there, you'll actually have three possible choices and those choices are then influenced by um, different upgrades that you can make to Zagreus through the mirror that let you um, adjust like the, the drop rates for different kinds or rarities of the boons. 
there is a currency that you can use to re-roll those things. There's a ton of variety that's possible, um, but you have a lot of ability to kind of sculpt the run. Uh, so it does feel like you're able to do a build. And that's something where I think that they really kind of pulled the right choices out of the DNA of Transistor, which was really yeah. uh, build-based. And they gave you just so many different options. And it, the the way that they kind of challenged the player was about taking certain ones away as you, you know, if you would die, they would be burned out for a little while. Uh, but most of the time, you had nearly all of your options available to you. Um, this one, they do a lot of... Uh, you know, well, what would you do if you if you got this set of choices? You know, how how could these things work yeah. together? And it really encourages like experimentation without taking away your feeling of control. I, I think another good example of that is the the weapons. Uh, there's a currency called darkness that um, is one of those permanent currencies. It's probably the especially early on in the game the most important upgrade currency you have. Um, and there's like a twenty percent bonus if you pick one random weapon, you know? So it's a, it's a real great encouragement for people to try all the weapons and experiment and, and see how things work differently. And there's these prophecies that, you know, it very directly reward you for trying all the boons and, and trying boons that you haven't tried before, uh, while still giving you a lot of ability to control the randomness and get what you want. If you really are trying to get a specific build. So, I think that yeah. aspect of it really brilliant. I love the the random benefit on the weapon. That is actually what I ended up. That's how I would how I've been doing the game for the majority of it is select the weapon that has is has been randomly selected for you as the benefit one because I think my normal way of playing a game like this would be like all right I'm just going to use a sword and I'm going to play the sword until I'm so good that I beat it and then I'll try a different weapon and I'll beat it with that weapon and I'll kind of go down the line um but this game incentivizes trying different playstyles so much in so many different ways I wanted to lean into it and so now when I play I just I don't choose the weapon myself I just let whatever sort of the RNG has decided for me uh and that's been a lot of fun and also been pretty eye opening for some of the weapons that you think you know, like don't seem as good. They are all good in their own way. Yeah, like at first I was very confused by the shield, and then I my best run that I've <laughs> had so far was the shield. So yeah, that was my first, my favorite weapon at first. So I was thinking we could talk a little bit uh, specific about what some of these benefits look like. So uh, the favorite runs and builds, boons, like uh, yeah, you know what I think. Yeah, my, what, uh, you think an approach might be just for us to talk about like favorite builds or like you know particular builds that we've had that worked well for us good good place for tips well there are five main things um one that you can pick up uh in the runs um you have your basic attack um and you have a dash and then with each dash you have a, a like specific to that weapon dash strike um oh so yeah I guess six and then you have each weapon has a special attack and um, each weapon has like four different variants of the weapon that you can unlock that each give you a different special. And then you have a cast, um, which is like you have these crystals um, like as a, as a permanent inventory thing when you're on a run that you can throw out and different boons that different gods give you can turn your cast into something different. And then um, gods can grant you boons uh, that are called calls that 
um, are like specific things, um, specific attacks or or power ups or uh, things that you build meter for um, in the like middle of runes, and then you like call upon that god, and then they help you like a, a summon. Uh, yeah, it's almost like a special move, you know, like you have to unlock it in game. So every one of those moves can be redefined entirely by the upgrades that you can find within the game. So you can find something like uh, there's a hammer upgrade. It's called the Daedalus hammer that actually impacts the weapon and may change. So there's there's a spear that you have. Uh, one upgrade you can get for the spear is that it becomes instead of one spear thrust, it becomes three spear thrusts. And that's one of my favorite uh, spear upgrades. And it makes your your weapon is much bigger range of attack. Uh, but there are even more ridiculous ones that turn like your uh, your uh, s- in, there's a gun. Uh, well, I was gonna shoot. Hold there's on. a gun. Yeah, yeah, I know. I started to where you there, can turn there's it. There's a in. gun where the special, the special yeah, is that's... you can like lob or a grenade. Uh, yeah. but you can get a Daedalus hammer that like they completely change how your weapon functions in, yeah. in certain aspects. Like, uh, you get like a grenade that you throw, but if you get a Daedalus hammer, you can, it turns into a rocket launcher. Um, you, it just really unique things that completely change the way the game is played. So what are, is everyone, um, some of your favorite boons that you found, if you can remember them and what God gave them to you? Uh, I can, I could say for me, uh, one of the most fun ones to play with, um, the game has a lot of different kinds of status effects, and in fact, there's a there's an upgrade you can get from the mirror, um, which is an upgrade to Zagreus that gives you bonus damage when you have applied multiple different status effects to your enemies, which I, I've never seen that in a game. I thought that was interesting. But uh, the the thing I had the most fun with early on was Dionysus. Uh, Dionysus as a god is the kind of god of wine. Um, and I'm struggling to remember the name of the status effect it's basically it's effectively like a poison it's damage over time over hangover that's right yes <laughs> which it's that's so a good. pretty it's pretty funny but uh yeah so there, there are a lot of uh i think you can apply up to five levels of hangover and it apply and they sort of slowly drain off of your enemy and um the you know amount of damage is influenced by how many levels of this you have and i, I had one run that um was one of the most fun, although it wasn't a totally successful run, where I was using the shield. Um, and we've mentioned the um, the hammer. Uh, the hammer will... It, probably the biggest influence on like how a run is going to go is like if you get the hammer very early and you get one of the good modifications from the Daedalus hammer. Um, but the, uh, the hammer upgrade that I picked up early in that run was... Um, that it um, increased the number of enemies that a thrown shield would bounce off of. So it, instead of hitting, like, I think two enemies, it hit, like, five enemies or something like that And uh, before before coming back to you. I got that exact same upgrade in probably my best run yet. Like, I, I haven't gotten nearly as far as you guys have, but, like, oh, man, that's fun to use. Yeah, there's no aim involved. I, you know, it's a, it's a nice spammy thing, and and it's good to be able to deal with enemies at range. But I'll tell you what's really good 
is uh, to have damage over time applied on top of that so that you can just uh, like hit auto hit five enemies in the map uh, and just like spam your way through while they slowly die. Yeah, I was killing enemies before they like appeared on screen with that with that build <laughs> nice. so that was a lot of fun um there's there's even another one of the boons you can get from uh from him that uh ups the like number of levels of uh, uh of hangover that can be applied to i think 10 yeah i think all of the most of the gods have like stacks that you can just yeah. apply and just spam the hell out of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the, all of that stuff I found really, uh, really fun when you found this, like, you know, a combination of a couple of, uh, you know, the hammer or, or boons and things like that, that like made a really interesting synergy like that. Yeah. I haven't had a ton of runs yet, as I mentioned earlier, but my most successful run yet was one where very early on I got, I think it was the first upgrade I got, was an up uh, an upgrade from Poseidon to the dash, and uh, that one the best the best oh, boon in the game it it rules. Um, so the uh, I assume I'm talking about the same one that you're thinking of there. Basically, when you dash, it kind of does this splash effect on wherever you were dashing from, like wherever your dash started, and it kind of does an area of effect damage. And so, um. It, it, what was weird about it was it felt way higher damage than I would have expected for something like that in this type of game. And then there were, I had several opportunities to upgrade it. And very quickly, it was the thing that I could do that did the most damage. Like my attack, n- nothing. My my cast, embarrassing. But like, but dashing f- past people did like just massive amounts of damage all at once. And so for that run i pretty much only hit one button i was just spamming dash the entire time dashing back and forth back and forth around people and just doing these this massive damage and it could happen very fast and i think i got some upgrades that let me dash multiple times very quickly so i could like dash 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 or dash 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 and i was just like annihilating people until i finally got to somebody where this trick wasn't working particularly well on them and, and failed but that was probably my best uh best upgrade i got so far Yep, Poseidon and Athena both have um, dash boons that just turn your dash into an a whole extra attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you're just dealing double damage if you if you're dashing, and you have iframes while you're dashing. So so you're basically dealing free damage, like you're not getting hit. So yeah, and the Poseidon dash also pushes enemies away from you. And this game can get really clustered. Some of these. Little fights will have a whole lot of things on you. And so being able to just dash around and push them all around the map is really satisfying, first of all. And then second of all, very effective. I think with that build, I didn't take any damage until I ended up in uh, what's the zone that has like the river of fire all around the second zone. Asphodel. I forget. Asphodel. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I didn't take any damage until I got there. And then at first I kept dashing into the flames. And I, was like, yeah, <laughs> I have the same gotta, problem, gotta Reagan. Be more careful. there's a uh there's a keepsake that has become my favorite one where you get a benefit every time you finish an encounter without taking any damage and there's nothing more frustrating than being the only damage you take in an encounter being when you accidentally (laughs) dashed into the lava it's very frustrating yeah yeah a lot of that man Uh, they actually have a lot of elements of the of the design of the different levels 
that changes as you go that forces you to be a little bit more of an all around because the the game has so many synergies that it's very tempting to over specialize mm, um, yeah. and just go all in on like well I I, I can I'm gonna do nothing but boons and and things that increase my main attack damage or my my special ranged attack damage or what have you but you know if you don't have something that's going to allow you to for example reflect um or get iframes when you run into like the room full of witches that are spamming death orbs everywhere like suddenly <laughs> the game has turned into ikaruga and like you're 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 stuck on the wrong color you know they incentivize you to pick um, like more than one type of boon from more than one type of god uh, because like there's a mirror upgrade that like you get 2.5% extra damage for each individual god you have a boon from. And then there's uh, duo boons that you can unlock that like if you have like an Ares boon and a Poseidon boon, like one room you'll run into Ares and he'll be like, oh, hey, what's up, Poseidon? And then they'll just have a little exchange and then you'll get a boon that like combines the effects of their two focuses. And uh, and I think that's wonderful. Some of the <laughs> some of the best boons in the game are, are duo boons. Also some great yeah. dialogue because you get characters talking to each other that you don't see, get to see any, in any other way. Totally. So do you have any, uh, Robert, do you have any like particular builds that you, you mentioned that you thought the, uh, the Poseidon dash was particularly strong. Do you have anything else that you think people ought to be on the lookout for? Um, I think Poseidon's, uh, dash is the best boon in the game. Um, Zeus's attack, uh, which shoots chain lightning out anytime you attack an enemy. And that includes dash strikes, I think. Um, and then, Artemis has a boon that anytime you attack, use a special, or use a cast, it like shoots an arrow out. So if you have those three um, on a single build, then you are dealing uh, like four times. You have you have four different types of damage output. Um, so it, it's you just steamroll everything. Yeah, the the map looks crazy when you have that one. The Artemis one you mentioned was the first time I got that. I felt it was absolutely hilarious because, I mean, it's extremely effective, but you look like some kind of space harrier, like dropping <laughs> mega missiles everywhere. Like you're 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 slamming <laughs> yeah. around the battlefield every time you deal damage to anything like a tiny green missile, like deploys from your shoulder and like laser hones in on whatever the nearest enemy is. It's It's absolutely hilarious. The wording on that boon when you run into it is confusing because it's like anytime you cast, uh, it shoots an arrow out, but also your special and attack do it, but it doesn't make it super clear that that's the case. I, I kind of figured that out on accident. Yeah, I probably skipped it now that you mentioned because I, I, I don't use cast very often at all. Um, I just haven't really kind of made that part of most of my, my builds. It, it kind of feels a little like... I assume there's ways to make it completely OP, but the fact that it's like at the beginning, it's like no damage at all. And it's, uh, it's limited to like, you have to throw it and then you have to go recollect the, the crystal before you can do it mm-hmm. again. It just feels so nothing. Yeah. And sometimes it'll get stuck inside an enemy. Like if you throw it at a guy, it's in there until he's dead. So, yeah. So I, ba- mm-hmm. I basically don't use it. Are there builds where you kind of structured around that the, the caster is it? Am I right? in thinking it's kind of, eh, 
I don't like it. I, I yeah. barely ever use the cast. Ares has a good cast uh, where it turns your cast into just like um, one of those spinning blades. So, mm-hmm. you know. Blade rift. You, Did you guys yeah. get the one from Reagan hasn't even seen this character because I think it comes they come along a little bit later in the game. So maybe this is a spoiler. Reagan, cover your ears. Uh, cover. Is it the cold one? Yeah, the cold one. The cold one. Yeah. Open the cold one. And yeah, it's a beer. The uh, the the cast for the uh, the icy one. Basically, the 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 um, instead of casting, you you chuck out a, a little crystal that shoots a homing laser and just sits on the board like zapping things. Uh, <laughs> and so that's pretty that's pretty rad. But the, the really overall, the cast to me is useful for one main thing, and it's not related to any of the boons. It's the mirror ability called, I think, Blighted Blood or something like that. And it uh, basically just says, you know, when you have the cast Bloodstone um, attached to an enemy, that all your attacks deal bonus damage to that enemy. So it really is just a good way to, like, focus down bosses. It's, like, just one more thing for you to spam at bosses. So I think we all enjoy this game enough and there's so much complexity and variety that we could probably spend the like the next three hours just talking about our favorite builds and our favorite boons and all the different things that we've seen. Um, but I think we, for the sake of our listeners and for the time, I think we need to move forward. But before we get our listeners are going to want to tune in for Hades episode two, where we're going to call it cover builds, boons and ships. Who's your favorite <laughs> cutie? I want uh, I 100% ship. Uh, Dusa with uh with Zagreus, just a hundred percent. I it, she's yeah. just it's so cute, <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah, she's really ahead of the rest. Uh, anyway, I say there's one last there's one last uh mechanic thing that I do think is interesting, and it, it it again talks about this power curve that you sort of create with your character. But uh, one of the currencies that you're collecting are gemstones, and those gemstones can be used with the house contractor to actually build in new rooms uh, into the into the dungeon, as well as uh, uh, just visual elements like making things prettier, adding a rug and things like that. But more importantly, earlier in the, the couch in the hub world. Yeah, exactly. Because I think it's pretty smart because you're, you know, people are going to be playing this game like a lot and you're going to get past the actual like necessary upgrades and you're just going to have these gemstones so like sure why not make that couch look nicer why not like clean up that room and make your bed better or whatever it is it's pretty smart just to continue to add replayability but early on it actually is helping you out you are able to uh, you spend these gems to actually add in things like fountains that restore your health and give you a free upgrade uh, they don't really exist in most of the levels until you actually go and unlock them it's a it can be like a run saving thing to go and find a fountain where your health gets refilled in a free upgrade so you're not encountering things like that early on you're also adding in things like uh breakable pots a la <laughs> zelda that are full of money uh, and there's a merchant character that you are able to buy things from. So once you've unlocked this, you are more likely to have more money 
thus making you able to buy more things from the merchant. So it all comes together again, just to make you more capable and more powerful. Uh, and it's just another avenue that, uh, it, that you have to make yourself stronger. And there's also a, tr- a in the hub world, there is a, a resource trader that will let you turn in some of these resources for another resource. And it has this whole sort of scale up system where you can end up t- turning some of the lowest value uh, currencies with enough of them into the highest value value currency. So even if you like really struggle at beating the bosses where you're getting the highest value currency, you can still get them by way of getting the lesser value and trading it up, which will eventually get you strong enough. Listeners don't waste the diamonds or Titans blood. Do not. Oh my God. Things. No, don't, no, I, acci- I, I miss, I accidentally turned in my first Titans blood for like 200 gemstones or something. <laughs> and I was so mad. I was like, ah, so I still regret it. But, um, well, a, a thing I wanted to say about the weapons earlier is that, um, there are super like rare resources. Like there's ambrosia Titans, blood and diamonds that you only get from like defeating a boss. Um, the but- first time. The first time, but it's the first time for each individual weapon. So if you've beaten that boss and gotten like a diamond oh. for for doing it, if you've beaten that boss with a sword and gotten the diamond, um, you'll get darkness the next time you fight him with the sword. But if you fight him with like the the gun, then you'll get another diamond. That's awesome. And, and I didn't realize good. that. So it's another way to just incentivize you to. to oh, and every on that, a a a hint that I really wish I had taken seriously that the game tells you. So the game tells you this early on. It tells you like each weapon will unlock uh, like basically like you're progressing with each weapon through the depth of the dungeon. Uh, you're told by my favorite character. Skelly has the best voice in the game. Uh, <laughs> Did you know that Skelly and Zagreus are the same voice? The same, yeah. Dan- <laughs> Dan- Daniel Korb, in. Who is also the uh, the he was uh, the narrator on like composer. all of the other games? <laughs> He's no, the no, composer. No, no. He's yeah. the composer. Oh, the, the composer. Narrator yeah. The narrator is the uh, voice of Hades. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. Uh, uh, right. So yeah, Darren Darren Korb, uh, which we're not going to talk about the music very much in this game, but I'll just say that it's awesome. It's as good as all the other games, but um, it's good. They're all consistent. Yeah, so good. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so Zagreus is like, well, how am I supposed to keep track of that? Uh, and Skelly says, well, there's, have you ever heard of a thing called pen and paper or something like that? Basically saying like, (laughs) write it down, you idiot. And it's true. Like if you're just starting this game, I actually recommend that you keep notes on your phone or however of like how far you've made it with each weapon. Cause if you're like me and you're constantly switching weapons around, uh, when I got to the point where I was like, oh, I actually want to like collect another diamond or another Titan's blood or something like that. I couldn't remember how far I'd gotten with each weapon. So I did eventually start writing it down. That's a really good point. I, I I'd never thought to do that. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for suggesting. Well, it was Skelly's, it was Skelly's suggestion. Well, thank so. you to Skelly. I haven't gotten <laughs> that dialogue yet. Well, um, I, but I, I, I got it. We got to talk about story. I, I want to talk about the characters and the story now at the risk of running into spoiler territory here, because I'm not nearly as far as y'all are. And I know there's a lot of story content to this. So at some point we need to hit spoiler break and I'll probably hop off uh, for you guys to talk uh, any uh, further story spoilers. 
But I'm just so impressed with how this game tells its story. Like I have never had, I've never played a roguelike that even really had a story. Like a lot of them kind of have this sort of really basic, like you're trying to get to the top of the mountain slash bottom of the pit. And uh, you've got to try a bunch of times. And there is that story of like, this is the story of a guy trying to get to the bottom of the pit or whatever. But in between, there's no real story. It's usually just sort of like the stories are the things that killed you along the way, right? But this has like consistent, constant drip feed of dialogue from characters that seem like super honed to like work on your, you know, shipper brain. Like all the characters yeah. are are like just <laughs> just good and interesting enough that you like want to see what they have to say to each other and to Zagreus. There have been yeah. points in playing this game where like I'll exhaust the dialogue with the characters at the hub world and then I'll start a run uh with the thought in my mind like what's the fastest I can kill myself so that I can continue this storyline? Yeah, man. Because I just want more. I'm like, I've got, oh, wow, I got a a nectar in the first screen. Wow, I'm going to like jump into some lava so I can go bring that nectar home to, you know, whoever. I don't want to sweet talk. It's it's great. That's funny. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that this game clearly is trying to do, which most roguelikes don't do, is they wanted to justify why you're doing this over and over and over. Mm-hmm. They wanted to actually be like a purposeful, purposeful story element and not just like something that kind of winks every time. Like, yeah, you're starting over. The only other game I can think of, and, and I know there are other roguelikes that do it, but one that I, and I always appreciated their effort at explaining to you why you're doing this over and over was rogue legacy Mm. where every time you're playing as the child of the one that you played as before uh which is a really funny way to handle characters dying over and over and over Um, but this game really really does a fantastic job of creating a world and a justification for why and how your character could be slain brutally and yet come right back and go right back into that same dungeon uh, and be the same character, the same person, the same thing that had just died, um, but is back for more. It's, it's really smart. Yeah. And it has that feeling of like, so I I know there's like, there's details. So like, okay, why is Zagreus trying to escape from the underworld that I haven't unraveled yet? I've unraveled a little bit of it at the point in the game that I'm at, but it feels like there's like details about that that I haven't gotten to yet. But I will say that like it has this feeling of like, you know, Zagreus as a character, part of the like, this is this is his rebellion against his father. He's like, fuck this place. Fuck my dad. I'm getting out. And it has this sort of almost yeah. like uh, he he reads to me as like mid 20s, but it has this sort of like teenage feel to it. <laughs> right. Like he's like, no, fuck this place. And I'm out and I don't care how uh, how futile or self-destructive or repetitive or ridiculous this is. This is what I'm doing. I'm getting out. And it, it I buy it, right? Like his character just works with that. Like there's something about that just really yeah. feels really great. Mm-hmm. And the first person that's helping him along the way is his adoptive mother, Nyx, um, who gives him the mirror. Um, and I, I found a lot of the relationships surrounding Nyx to be some of the more interesting kind of story elements because, of course, Nyx is uh the bride of Hades 
Um, so there's that tight relationship. And then uh, I, I also, the only uh, character that you're really not, um, it's not like kind of a page right out of the uh, the books of myth is, I guess, chaos uh, and the kind of relationship between chaos and Nyx uh, is something that I was really enjoying exploring by by kind of trying to connect the dots with those characters. Yeah, it's it's really clever because they could they they cannot and could not know how long it's going to take you to get to each part. Right? Mm-hmm. It does seem like there are like unlocks new characters and things like that that come about when you have made it to a certain depth of the dungeon, I'm assuming that's sort of their trigger mechanism for introducing some of these new characters and plot elements, but they will not, they cannot know how long that's going to take you. So they have to make content enough to suffice that you may be stuck, uh, trying to kill that second boss for like 40 runs and you need, stuff to read and stuff to be told while you're still doing that same thing over and over. And so they also clearly made the choice to really, really, really focus on the characters and just everything they're feeling and everything they like and everything they want to do and who they care about, what fellow gods are their friends, what fellow gods do they hate that like most of it is pretty detached from like what's actually going on. It's just world building over and over and over. And then there will be like plot developments that are pretty sparse, but overall, like I left, you know, I've been playing this game for a while now and I I have felt that like plot is like their bottom priority. That said, it is a significantly deep and complex world. Does that make sense? Like it does. I, I wasn't pl- I, what I what I struck me about it is like it isn't so much like there's there's not like massive story beats happening or anything like that. You're right. Yeah. It's not plotty. It, but I think it's really carried on character interaction. Like you want to see these characters talk to each other. You want to see how these characters feel about each other. You don't so much care that like they've got some big action to do, right? Like, and the game can't do that. Like, it, it can't because it doesn't know where you are at exactly at any given point. Like, how how long do I have from this moment of story to the end of this person's experience with the game? It could be you know ten hours. It could be uh, two hundred hours, depending on how this person is playing. So like, they have to really rely on providing like really compelling character interaction that is, you know, maybe a little bit unmoored from, from plot. Um, And that still really works because these writers know what the hell they're doing. They know how to create these like characters that are compelling in and of themselves. I think they've landed on a really great kind of bunch of thematic stuff with the Greek myth here, as it relates to the, to the roguelike elements. I think it's especially um, clear when you look at the inclusion of Sisyphus in the game, because a roguelike game is about repeating essentially the same challenge over and over and over again, um, you know, until you surmount it. Um, But the game is over when you have surmounted that challenge. Like eventually your time with the game will end. But, you know, if you look at the, you know, the experience of Zagreus um, in the game, 
especially if once we get into some of the like late game spoilers. And if you look at the experience of someone like Sisyphus eternally rolling a boulder up a hill only to do so again and again. Um, and if you look at the um, uh, just bleak reality of uh, actual human life uh, that we're all experiencing here in 2020. Um, yeah, I think you'll start to see some real parallels. <laughs> well, they kind of backed into that one since they started writing on this game back in 2018, but I guess that works out. Yeah, right. no, I, I'm joking with that last one. Sorry, <laughs> my I, I, my gallows humor is coming out as I we're know, getting you, here towards you. hopefully what is the end of the pandemic. Oh, please, God. With all the, like, you know, drip-fed content that you get throughout the course of the game, it makes me really curious what happens if you, like, start a new run and you just like beat the final boss on your first run like you you don't learn your why you're doing it or anything like that you don't meet any of the characters i i wonder if they have like unique dialogue they have uh, to that was that. The same, they have to that's the same stuff people did with pyre like which is my favorite super giant game i know we talked about it earlier but like what does Pyre do as a game if you never win a game of wizard nba jam like they have to have <laughs> They have to have a way to account for that. And I assume that they have a way to account for this game of you like either winning on your first try or I assume that there's something that happens if you're on run like 200 and you still have not, you know, completed a run. Like I assume the characters, the story, like the dialogue has to start to adapt to that situation. Uh, but I think the game gives you enough that probably most people have a relatively similar like mm -hmm. power curve and play experience with this game, but probably add like plus or minus like 10 to 15 runs on each side, depending on your individual skill level. I think it's worth mentioning briefly that um, if you are trapped in that kind of a that kind of a stuck point hell, uh, there is a God mode you can enable for the game that lets you. Um, I think it like triples the damage you do or something like that. It increases your damage resistance. Uh, That's like right. each time you die, it increases your damage resistance by like, I think 2% up to mm -hmm. 80. So if you're nice. just, if you're just real bad at it, then you won't be yeah. taking damage. And I think there are a yeah. lot of people out there who are just not going to be great with this kind of game. And that said, still really want to, uh, explore the kind of narrative elements of the game like the 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 structure of the game and like so much of the appeal for so many very clearly is the gigantic dysfunctional family of greek gods that people are interested in seeing i have to imagine there's there's a uh, i forget who delivers the line i want to say it's zeus but i'm not sure uh they say something to the effect of don't worry zagreus we gods are constantly killing each other and <laughs> I have to imagine that that is essentially the like light bulb moment for why they went with Greek mythology for the game. You know, if we, if we know that they started with the idea of like, we wanted to make a roguelike that was fun to die. And thus we need a way to justify why you're dying. Like what world do we set that in? And then someone says, well, the Greek gods were kind of constantly fighting and killing each other. It's like, bingo, let's set this in the Greek God universe. And then we can basically do whatever we want because they were all constantly dying and coming back. It's pretty brilliant. Well, uh, 
I think it's probably time for us to start moving towards talking about spoilers in this game. Uh, there's a lot of story, a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. And personally, I don't want to hear it because I haven't gotten that far yet. And I really want to experience the story myself. So I am about to bounce, uh, but I'm excited to hear the rest of what you guys have to say after I've had some time to spend some more time with the game. So we're going to record a spoiler segment here just just without me, which is cool. Uh, so, uh, before we do that, uh, first of all, because I'm about to hop, hop off, Robert, thank you so much for, first of all, for supporting the show, uh, and for joining us on the episode. It's really nice to have somebody, uh, who has played more of it than we have, which, uh, with a game like this is particularly useful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was excited to be invited on, um, and I've spent so much time with this game that, like... I don't know. I just had a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's the kind of game that I, you know, w- once people have had some time with it, it's there's a lot to talk about. And uh I uh I also thanks to our listeners for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh if you uh if you haven't found us before, you can find our website at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find a contact form uh, and other ways to contact us, including things like Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, and you can find us on all the podcast platforms. We would love it if you would leave us ratings and reviews. Uh, you can also f- support our show uh, by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the short game. All of our patrons at even a dollar a month uh, get immediate access to our discord, which is where we talk about the games we're playing for the show. We have a channel open talking about Hades right now. We have a uh, you know channel open talking about the IF comp results that were just released today. We'll be following up on that soon. Uh, so if you want to join us and chat, uh, we would love to have you uh, patreon.com slash the short game. So before we go to our spoiler break, Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at NateSTL. And Shane, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And you can find me on Twitter at ReaganK. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And Robert, uh, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at JesterRubella. That's uh, R-U-B-E-L-L-A. And sometimes I post clips of me going fast in hades nice yeah go check those out they are very very impressive at least the ones i've seen so far so uh here it is ladies and gentlemen your spoileriest of spoiler breaks okay so spoilers you've all gotten to sticks right let's talk spoilers y'all yeah yes so i you know i i had my first complete run today i defeated hades for the first time uh today it was my fourth time getting to hades and shane you haven't beaten it right i have not but i am not sensitive to spoilers and i have uh, spoiled myself on some of the post hades end game yeah the the this game is wild because you beat hades for the first time and then you beat hades 10 more times to get the credits. Yeah. And then you beat it 30 more times to get an epilogue. Um, and then there's still shit that you can find. Yeah. Just That's wild. so funny. I, so I knew, like, so I knew the game wasn't done when you beat Hades for the first time. Uh, but I was wondering, like, okay, what's it gonna, like, am I gonna beat Hades, get into, you know, onto Earth, meet my mom, and then, like, 
get stabbed by someone and have to start over. Uh, but no, of course they, they make it pretty smart where you can only spend like so much, you're bound to hell. Yeah. So you can only spend so much time on, uh, on earth, but, uh, still is, it was very, very satisfying, uh, beating Hades for the first time. Um, I also say that the run prior to it, I also made it to Hades and I made it to Hades on like the skin of my teeth. I barely got to him. And then I had like the perfect fight. I was crushing him and I got him down to zero health. And I was like, hell yeah, I beat Hades. And then of course I shouldn't <laughs> hit a second. Form. You always, the final boss <laughs> yeah, always has two health a second bars. form. There's always going to be a second form on a final boss. I should have known. And then of course I just got, crushed in the second form of Hades. So Nate, you just unlocked Heat, then you unlocked the Pact of Punishment. So he you can actually yes. uh increase the amount of um like forms he has. So you can give him three That's... health bars later on. I I saw that so it it when I went into the room with Skelly and he's like they're like, oh what's going on with that thing now? <laughs> you know, so I, I haven't actually interacted with it. The like the last thing I did with this game before recording was complete my first run so mm-hmm. um yeah but as i understand it, it like that's how you can grind for more of those very limited items like the uh titan's blood and the diamonds because when you up the heat level um it you resets. can use the same weapon again yeah they yeah. reset okay. that's good to know so i was wondering cool. how you get a lot more because titan blood feels really limited and there's so many upgrades for titan blood so i, I had been assuming that it was something post first win that would allow mm-hmm. you to get more of that but that but it but sense. it does uh lock you into it so like if you beat hades with the fists uh and then like you increase your heat level in the pact of punishment to like one uh you can't increase it to two and get more upgrades you are just stuck in that and until you can beat it with one heat like you'll just keep getting darkness again for bosses you've already oh finished. okay mm. interesting yeah the run i had today was a really satisfying combo i had the poseidon upgrade the poseidon dash and then i had i was using the sword and i had the daedalus upgrade that makes it when you do your special it does double special but it doesn't kick them back and so basically i just the the rest of the game i was just collecting boons that made my special more stronger so i would just dash around with poseidon's wave pushing everyone around and then when i had an opening do the special so it hits them twice and i've already kind of moved them around with poseidon's uh poseidon's wave that i i didn't die for the first time until i got to hades and it was just which was unlike every other game that mm-hmm. i'd had where i'd been pretty reliant on uh who's the the random chance uh in elysium who will reset all your death defy patroclus uh, patroclus patrick Patroclus, one of those. Yeah, that person. Reagan put the right one. That person. Yeah, that (laughs) that that person had been the kind of the core of any success I'd had so far, which was being able to reset my death defy on the third phase. Um, Yeah, I I do have a a, a spoiler related question that I don't think Reagan had gotten to, which is, um, you guys have both gotten to Hades. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first time you got to the fourth level. Uh, did your just 
heart drop when you saw Cerberus and you were like, oh, don't make me yeah. fight Cerberus. I I yeah. thought for sure I was going to have to fight Cerberus and that was very satisfying when and, uh, you're just going to get him a treat. Give him you just got to get him a nice. Yeah, give him some food. I Yeah, I was really disappointed when I thought yeah. I was going to have to fight. I, I was kind of pretty sure that you were not going to have to fight Cerberus and it's not really related to the fact that like a video game that makes you kill your own uh like three-headed Clifford the Big Red Dog um <laughs> is just w- beyond the pale it's more about um I kind of wish we had spent a little time talking about the visuals of the game uh in this but um there are some things that are really good to say about the visuals of Supergiant games but one thing that they're not great at doing is uh, really big, really active, uh, 3D models. Um, like they, they, they. So I, I think the the closest thing to like a large 3D modeled boss, uh, that they have in any of their games would be the Lernian Bone Hydra, um, and that is a very like old school, uh, like you know, they, they, it has five identical heads essentially and uh and like neck bones you know uh there's a reason that it works well as like a skeleton with like a floaty floaty heads so um but that is kind of a thing about uh, i i i'm gonna just say this here now even though we're in the post post spoiler break like if there is a a a house visual style to um to super giants games uh it's this very it's very weird it's this sort of visual style of isometric iconic cut and paste where you know visual elements are going to be uh really cool and colorful and well done but like cut and pasted and reused everywhere and they're they're particularly sparing with 3d models especially of people like i would say the, the the people that you actually see in this game, like like Nicks, where they're m- modeled into the world, um, like are are very rare. Uh, most of the enemies in most super giant games are really pared down. They might be like a, a, a white circle that shoots a laser beam. You know, if if you think back to like Pyre, like they had like a set of looks, like and they 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 justify this by saying like you're wearing like ceremonial masks, but it, it like cuts down on the number of like 3D models that they need to do uh, for yeah. different kinds of characters. I know that in in some not like a documentary, but some YouTube video I saw, um, they were talking about how. Um, the game is programmed so that the characters like cannot overlap with one another. So like they put in like an extra week of, of, uh, work into being able to overlap, uh, Zagreus with Cerberus to be able to pet him. Um, (laughs) yes. And, uh, they were gonna, yeah, they were gonna add in like multiple ways to pet him but they were like no we can't we can't devote as much time as it takes to do this because it just breaks the game for for uh for sprites to touch that is so weird and yet like this is the company that i think does the most beautiful menus and like ui stuff of almost anybody like the mirror the well of Charon, like the the look of these things is just so gorgeous. But Everything again, great. we're talking post spoilers and these are not spoiler discussions. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, I played this entirely 
a hundred percent i've played switch handheld so like I, some of that stuff doesn't really stick out to you when it's all just on the small screen of switch but what they do really well though is while you're right they're pretty simple everything's very recognizable like you learn what everything does and how they do it pretty quickly and it's really easy to sort of just look down at the map and be like okay i know what enemies are there and what they do there's not there's not many like story spoiler that like are super interesting to talk about. I think I think spoiler talk is more centered around like mechanics because I know I know some people wouldn't want to be like told you know Theseus and the Minotaur are the are the third boss of the game. Uh, so like, yeah. who's your favorite boss, what, guys? Y- yeah, was, or what? What? Who's your favorite boss, or what boss did you get like the most stuck on? Um, uh, I will a hundred percent take this as an opportunity to complain about Theseus and Asterius. <laughs> I feel like most one, honestly, like I love the, I love them as characters. I will. I also hated, uh, Theseus as, uh, as a character, but, uh, as a, as a boss fight, absolutely more challenging than Hades. Like I, like I, the number of times it took me to beat Theseus, I, I haven't beaten Hades, but <laughs> I will I will say now that I think probably. But Theseus and Asterius took me many, 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 many attempts to work out uh, like a decent strategy for because you have Theseus who is a lot like one of the most difficult enemies that you see in Elysium, which is like the spear guy. Um, the so guy. he's like throwing his spear at you. But he's also got like a spin attack and like close attacks. And um, glad we're in post spoiler break. One of the most uh, absurd things that like shocked me the most at the time, he can do the calls that you can do to the oh, gods. Yeah. Like he only does that when and use those like against half you. Half health or like a, a third health. So I, yeah. I usually would it say it just covers the whole. Yeah. Just covers the whole map. Yeah. And then you're fighting him simultaneously with Asterius, who uh, is, you know, you get to fight him once on his own in some runs, but then, like, he's coming at you with an axe, and he can leap really long distances and do a slam attack, and you're in a very open space that's not all that big. It's smaller than some of the early boss arenas, Um, and you are... There's like these pillars that you can hide behind. So what is you guys strategy and, and advice for the Theseus and Asterius fight um, um, for people who might be doing that one? Focus Asterius first, uh, because it mm-hmm. does not matter if Asterius is dead or not. If you get Theseus to uh, low enough health, he will start uh, summoning gods. And it doesn't matter uh, if the bull is dead or not. Yeah. I, I th- that was going to be my same advice, and it, he's just so much easier to deal with when you don't have a gigantic chariot riding bull uh, just like rampaging around mm. the room because you do have to be a lot more finesse with uh, Theseus. You know, you have to hit him from behind, kind of bait him around, and try to get uh, the right attacks on and avoiding his shield. Whereas Asterius, you can just uh, you know go at anywhere. Yeah. So uh, fo- focus the Minotaur. Um, that said, like a lot of the builds that I have been more successful with have been around like area of effect or just imp- applying, you know, damage, uh, like countdowns to people. So I have tried to like get them together and hit them both as much as you can when possible. But if you're going to focus one down, the Minotaur is 
definitely, definitely the right choice. One tip that I, I think was not obvious to me until I had been going through this many times, um, and I probably should have realized earlier, is that a lot of the furniture kind of elements, by which I mean like pillars, the weird tables, stuff like that, those stop enemies, but they don't stop you if you dash. So you mm-hmm. can um, in – everything. Yeah, you can yeah. dash through pretty much everything, even like walls and stuff in in places that you would not expect. So, um, Just like general advice. that that once I realized that was especially useful for things like the Asterius fight, where like he's quite fast and charging literally behind you. The ability to like dash through a pillar and he'll like smash the pillar is um, is very very helpful. Just general yeah. advice that I would offer to anyone is just dash more. Um, mm-hmm. just dash and attack more. I, I would say just press uh, the dash and attack button and move towards enemies. That's it. That's how you play the game. Don't worry about <laughs> well, don't worry about moving or out of the way or anything. Just dash. Just be hyper aggressive. What about like if you dash right onto an enemy and now you're dead? That seems like that seems like uh, the problem though. <laughs> Got to be really good with that dash. Yeah, it is funny though cuz you know you'll you'll enter into these stages and I I will have realized that I only I I really managed the entire fight from like a you know a small corner of the of the stage and then after I've beaten it I'm sort of scanning the room for pots and other things that you can get I'll be like man this map was huge why did I spend the entire time just in that corner uh and so to your point Robert just like always moving and always trying to apply damage at all times everywhere. Uh, it was a big step forward for me because I was always trying to be a lot more tactical and like, you know, stand your ground and like cast and, and, you know, and throw the shield or whatever. But it's like, no, you got to play kind of like a maniac. Um, yeah. The, but it, the, like, um, I, I used to not play as fast when I first started, but like once you beat Hades for the first time, you can unlock a pact and, one of them is to give yourself a time limit uh, for each stage, and that can decrease down to, like, you have to clear Tartarus in five minutes. And I was like, well, how, That's the, crazy. how the hell do you do that? And then I just, yeah. you know, started being a madman. What is your uh, keepsake, like, strategy? Um, well... It depends on what I'm I'm running. If if I'm running casually, I always start with Poseidon because, uh, like his dash, I I just can't get enough of it. Um, but if I'm like trying to rush through the game, uh, like I I think Reagan said earlier, I, I my best time is completing it in like eleven minutes. Um, so I would always start with Zeus, uh, and get his attack. I I use Zeus's keepsake, um to because like i don't think we ever covered it you can guarantee a a a god pops up this is way past spoiler break nobody's listening to me explaining this (laughs) um so i i always choose uh zeus and then poseidon and then demeter or aphrodite and if i like find those i usually uh pick oh well that's a i use hades keepsake (laughs) yeah um nice but but that's just for for speed running. If if I'm like playing casually, uh, I'll usually use Thanatos's just for fun because it's it's like if you don't get hit, or I'll use Hermes 
Um, just just shit that you know makes it makes you hit harder. Yeah. The, so the the run that I had today that I was successful on, I used the Anateris, The I think it's called the Pierced Butterfly. And every time you successfully complete an encounter without taking damage, you gain two percent to your damage. And what I've liked about using that one is that, like, you know, health is your most precious resource in this game, right? Every time you take damage, it's going to require some sort of effort to get that health back. So everything you can do to reduce the damage you take, like, the better, right? And I lose focus sometimes on, like, avoiding all damage. So by using the Pierce Butterfly it has helped me maintain that like focus on don't take damage. And then you get an actual literal benefit in the game too. And, and when I won today, I ended up with a 28% bonus damage because I cleared 14 encounters without taking any damage. And so I was like so powerful by the time I got to the end, it was, it was, uh, it was great. And I don't know that I would have, you know, obviously the bonus damage is great, but that like constant focus of don't take damage, don't take damage, don't take damage, like is also what made me so successful on it. I'd say the best um, keepsakes for like beginners or people that like haven't beaten Hades like numerous times um, would be Cerberuses, which gives you extra health, or Skellies. Uh, when I was yeah, when I was for, that just yeah. gives you an extra whole death defy. Um, so when I was first playing the game, like literally any time, uh, I would get two sticks. Is it the temple of, yeah, the last round, yeah, the last, yeah. the last level, like no matter how the run was going or anything like that, I could have three death defies left. I would always just turn on Skelly's keepsake just to have that extra cushion. Yeah. The only problem with pierced butterflies, if you take it away <laughs> you lose the benefit don't yeah you lose the benefit do, so like with I, lambent I, plume, uh, plume you do the same thing yeah i couldn't i couldn't justify like well is another death defy worth losing 28 percent bonus damage and like no i don't think it is i think i would kill someone so much faster with it so uh there also the the one they said gives you plus health that ultimately once you've unlocked all of the death defies that one becomes more worth it than another death defy if you are adding 50 health to every life. Um, so I would I, I started out using skellies for a long time, and then I was using the plus health one. And then lately I've been doing pierced butterfly. But I've been interested well, in like I could never think of why why would you ever like really like why would you trade in more health? extra death defy more damage for the guarantee of having a God at the beginning. And then, and your definite, your explanation of just ensuring that you get like a sort of build dependent boon right mm-hmm, out of the gates definitely. really, really makes sense. And then you are also free. I assume then if you've used Poseidon's for the first uh, stage, you are for sure switching it out yes. after the bot. And, I, I don't think it, your- I don't think it guarantees it like on it, like if you keep it equipped I think it only does it once. Yeah. Yeah, if so you run it that in makes again, a lot it still more buffs sense. the uh like the chance of having a good one. Uh let's talk for a second if we're, while we're on this subject about uh, Erb- uh Erebus and Chaos. Like how much do you like the Chaos boons? Cuz I I found myself really liking the Chaos boons if I could get them early 
Um, Unless there's and... a Daedalus hammer, I pick chaos. Like, like if I am in a room and there's like a boon and a palm of power, uh, but also there's a chaos gate, I'll always take the chaos gate. Yeah, the chaos gates are great. And so the chaos, uh, the chaos charm that lets you jump in those holes without um, without taking any damage is nice. But the 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 buff to the actual boons you get. I think is also really good. And for listeners, those are, uh, they usually come with a, a trade-off. Not only are you taking damage to actually go to Erebus to pick up the chaos boons, um, but uh, those chaos boons then usually, then, then they come with some kind of um, trade-off. Uh, they'll, you, you accept them and then uh, you'll have some kind of, some kind of uh, limitation, like you know, you're at first your for the next three encounters you can't earn any money, but then afterwards your attack deals thirty percent more damage, stuff like that. It's always perfect. so. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 great. Um, honestly, they really are. I, I think we we probably don't want to dwell too much longer on mechanical stuff here in the post spoiler break, and I, I will mention right now. Uh, I just I texted Reagan because I was not clear on how it was that he was leaving the call to avoid spoilers, and then editing. Uh, but then also will be editing the episode. <laughs> um, and I texted him, and he <laughs> he said, "Oh no, maybe Nate can edit that part. I'm an idiot." So, uh, yeah, nice one, Reagan. You've been at, only been at this for five years, so. Uh, <laughs> but have you guys fought Karen? No, I didn't know you could fight Karen. Oh, okay. No, I knew that there was a thing, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, um, at I don't I don't know if it's after you beat Hades for the first time or or something like that. Um, but Karen's my fave. But yeah, in the in the shop, sometimes there'll just be a bag of three hundred gold behind him, and if you take it, he transports you to Erebus. <laughs> it's like the hardest boss fight in the game. Wow, that's awesome! And for winning, Do you you get a twenty percent discount for the rest of that run. That's it. Ugh. So do you, you know, do you I, do it then? Do you go for the fight? Hell no. I have found going all in on Karen with his with his boon is actually better than I would have expected. Like his boon gives you a uh, a discount on the well of Karen, which is just like an altar that will show up, you know, in other miscellaneous rooms and also a discount at his store. Does it? I, think. I thought it just. I thought Karen's boon just gave you like bonuses. No, no, no. For it, well, stuff. The stuff that you. I think the it, the. It, I, I. It's actually not a discount. It's the length of time that the things you get yeah. from the well affect. So like you, if you get an attack, which is bonus. actually better than that's 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 what it was. It's better than than you than you think because it there he, the powers that you get from those well items are actually quite strong. Things like you know just a flat fat bonus to your attack damage and suddenly it will last for like 12 encounters if you have the boon on and uh those can stack and you will see those wells more often than like every 12 encounters they they will come up yeah um especially if you if you prioritize them um and it's possible to really get rolling on the money especially if you have the uh, mirror ability that says at the end of each like section of the game, uh, you get 
uh, a big chunk of change equal to a percentage of the amount of money you're already carrying. Yeah. So um, that I, I did find one of my best runs where, of course, I did end up dying to Hades was one that I basically just went all in on Karen uh, and a big money strategy, which was very played out very differently from the other strategies that I've tried. But uh, let's talk about what happens after you beat Hades. Uh, you sure? You meet Persephone, your your mom, your <laughs> yeah. your cool mom, and then you and then you die because you cannot spend uh, a long time um, on the surface. And then once you beat Hades like ten times, uh, I mean, do you guys care? Spoilers? Yeah. No, we're in post spoiler break, okay. and I have already spoiled this for myself. Okay, uh, if you beat once you beat Hades ten times, uh, Persephone comes back to the underworld, which which is fun. But then uh, the game is is weird because it's like, why am I still trying to get to? Why am I still running this game after after my mom comes back? Because the whole goal of the game is is to get my mom back. Well, you become like a security guard for hell, and it's your job to bolster the the defense of the the defenses of of Hades of the underworld, and um, you're now trying to reach the surface to inform your father of the issues with his defenses for people trying to escape. So you go from like trying to find your mom to like, this is your job now. It's your job. You, you just become Paul Blart. You're <laughs> Paul Blart. Ha- ha- Hades cop. <laughs> cool. What a power curve. Yeah, yeah that's fun. It's, it's really good. <laughs> well, do you feel like narratively there was a, like a good payoff to the, the escape from hell and to the, the conclusion that you reached yes or you know conclusion as it is oh yeah absolutely it it, i mean it's one of the best games uh that's come out this year in terms of like storytelling and shit like that am i allowed to swear is that a thing (laughs) yeah you are you are allowed um but yeah uh there's just so much stuff that you can you can unlock and then even after you beat Hades and and get like to the surface, you start unlocking the ability to alter people's contracts uh, in the underworld. So, like for example, like you can reunite uh, Eurydice and Orpheus by paying like X amount of diamonds, or you can reunite Achilles and uh, Patroclus, or you can take away Sisyphus's sentence and and just make him like a free man um but those but those each take like five diamonds so it makes sure like you've got to clear this game another five times before you can unlock this extra story stuff that's wild yeah i you know but again they do such a good job of like like why would i as a player who actually has to commit the time to this like why would I do those things? Well, if you're that far into the game, you probably care about these characters and, and it's fun. The game is fun. Like, I think that like this, this whole thing wouldn't work if it wasn't fun, if it wasn't, if it wasn't fun to clear the dungeons, right? Uh, Yeah. It's just a a blast to keep playing. I'm, I'm at a point where certain NPCs, if I don't have like active quest lines with them, um in the overworld like in the hub world they'll i'll just walk up to them and they'll just be like 
I got nothing else to say. But yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's only so much dialogue. Even you know, twenty one thousand lines of dialogue have to run out at some point, right? Three hundred thousand words have to. You're going to get through all of those at some point. So, uh, all good things must come to an end. But I think when it comes to a roguelike and being compelled to continue to play it beyond just like the skill of it, but actually the story of it, it's a pretty pretty significant triumph that they've pulled off with this game. Uh, and I think with its success, I we're going to see. If you're not a fan of roguelikes, Hades definitely didn't help uh, your future gaming prospects because I think we're going to see a lot of of companies try to emulate what what uh, Supergiant just pulled off with with Hades, yeah, uh, which I'm looking forward to. It's game of the year. It's the best game yeah. I've played this year. Not my not my personal favorite game I've played this year, but I've logged so much time into it that like. Man, it's God, yeah. it's so good. I, I I just have a hard time even thinking about what games came out this year versus like any other year and what have I been doing with my time for the last like nine months. I don't know, but Hades has filled up a significant portion of the last yeah, the years, several weeks and I'm <laughs> Yeah. The year's definitely gone slow enough that I was like, Oh man, Final Fantasy Seven remake came out this year. That feels like it was four years that ago. That feels like it was a yeah, like a decade ago. Um, yeah, I think we're going to, we didn't actually say it at the top of the episode, but, um, you know, we always do some version of a game of the year episode at the end of the year. And I don't think we're going to include this in the running simply because it really does not fit within oh, yeah. what we traditionally think of as a short game, but we just really wanted to cover it yeah. for this episode and then, or for the show. And then the game of the year is uh, Wide Ocean Big Jacket. Cause it's the best game. So good, really. <laughs> so i bet that ends up pretty high on our list as well but we'll see mm-hmm. okay um all right well i think this is probably we, I think we, I think we could just continue talking about this all night. Oh yeah! But I think we ha- we have to uh, call it. Uh, you know, at some point, got to as good a time as any. So, um, you know, Robert, thank you so much for being here with us. Absolutely. Uh, and um, it was really helpful having your depth of knowledge on the show. And uh, yeah, I, I's, Shane, anything you wanted to add before we we break? No, I uh, I just want to say uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, you know I, I'm really glad to have had you on the episode, and you know this has been a, a fun one. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed this game a lot, uh, and uh, I have had I enjoyed having a chance to chat about it with you. Yeah, it was it yeah. was a blast being on it. Cool. Well, Shane, make sure you post in the channel when you get your first victory, so we can look at the look at the spec you ended I will. up with. Like I'm probably said, gonna... like I, I may have to turn that god mode on because, yeah. like my my hands are claws for the last few weeks. Yeah, that sucks. And then you can post your screenshot of your time, and then I'll be like, "How does it take that long?" Ha, ha, ha. I remember what. <laughs> really? Yeah, I know. You nice probably looked at my 45 minutes, and you were like, "Man, I could have cleared it four times in that amount of time." Like, oh yeah, that's how normal people mm-hmm. play the game.